0: So we we started uh, last week a message series on joy and finding joy because um, one of the things that uh, has come up at, at the Connect Group actually after there's a, a sermon done and it was and I just mentioned this one verse in the Bible that the kingdom of God isn't about what we eat and drink but it's about peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that God. Has something for us that is part of the kingdom, which is joy. It's something that should be filling us, that we should be overflowing in, yet so many people don't have it. And trying not to mix joy with happiness, although joy does bring happiness, it's like, how do we get this joy? And the thing is that it has to start with God. So last week we looked a little bit about. Joy being, the divine, uh, sorry, being of divine origin. In other words, there's a source of joy that's divine. It's not earthly, it's heavenly. It comes from God our Father. And we talked about it being um, available to us, that we can partake in this joy, that we have been invited to that table. Each and every Christian, each and every person actually in this world has been invited to eat at this table that contains Joy. Joy reveals itself practically, so in our life there are practical things that will be, um, I guess, help us to promote the joy in our life, which is where I want to go today a little bit. There's some areas that joy strengthens us, and that's what I wanted to look at today um, in terms of how we actually get that joy. Because seriously, you think about it, the world is looking for joy everywhere. And the way that we try and get joy often doesn't work. It's like, when I get this, I'll be happy. People get it, and guess what? Still not happy. There's another thing to get that will make them happy because joy is something that leads to satisfaction in your life. It puts you in a place where you are no longer subject to um, circumstance, you're no longer subject to uh, desires within that are wanting more, that I guess you'd call it lust, I guess, for things. And this divine joy is a gift from God. It's poured out in our hearts through the Holy Ghost as he lives in us. But there are some things that we can do in this world to get that joy flowing. And as I began to look at how we do that, I started to look at um, how often the things that joy enables us to do are the very things that give us joy as well. But the start has to be God. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your joy. We thank you, Father, that it's available to us all now, Lord, that we don't need to wait, but Father God, you have delivered it into our lives through the Holy Spirit. And Father, if we take the time to wait on you, that we can receive that joy, we just want to bless you for it. And Father, this morning as we come around your word, we just pray that there'll just be an enlightening in our souls, that we might see and know you more, so that we can receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, one of the things that we really need to think about is this. You cannot spend time with a strong God without becoming strong. Have you ever been uh, anywhere where it's a bit colder than Darwin, I guess, where the sunlight hits you and it just feels good? I remember as a kid we used to go to the Melbourne Cricket Ground uh, every summer pretty much when we were there on holidays at least. So every two years, and we go to the Boxing Day test. Massive moment in my life as a young kid. You know, you you pack your stuff, you go there, and it's just so exciting. You hear the crowd cheering from outside because usually they'd started before we got there, and and you just felt compelled to go in. But when you went in there, the the NCG's like a big stand and it has shady areas and sunny areas. And you'd go in there and you'd sit. And if you're in the sun, you felt really hot, so you had your jumper and everything, you'd take it off you went and sat in the shade, you were cold. The thing that gained warmth was the sun, and you couldn't actually get away from it, the sun, when it hit you, just warmed you. And that is how God is in our life. You cannot spend time with our strong God without becoming strong. And that is the key to the start of joy in our life. We cannot spend time with him without this joy beginning to flow, and it's a natural source and outflow of who God is. So, in Darwin, it might be you go outside and you go in the sun and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to escape this. But the love of God, the joy of God, when you're in His presence, it's like that radiating sun. Like I'd be sitting in the MCG going like this, sitting in the shade, going in the sun. It's like, oh, that feels so good. You'd be in there? Maybe in the dry season here, it's a little bit like that. You sit on your back veranda and that sun hits you. And it's like, oh, this feels so nice. At the moment, you just want to keep out of it. But the point is this, that God is the source, he's the divine source of our joy. If you want to get joy any other way, true, lasting, strength-giving joy, you just can't do it. You can get happiness. But you see, if our joy is derived from anything that's temporal, then it's bound to end at some stage. And I I sort of uh, talked a little bit about that in terms of our self-worth and how I really actually think that's a joke. Hear me out. If I love myself because I feel good about myself, as soon as the circumstance changes about me feeling good about myself, what do I lose? My self-worth. In other words, if I'm building myself on my own self-opinion, I'm not saying it's wrong to feel good about yourself. What I'm saying is this, that that is likely to change at some stage this beautiful face of mine will one day get wrinkly. Luckily, we, we see less clearly as we're older, so it still doesn't look any different when I look in the mirror. But my money can go. My friends can go. My circumstances can change in life. And if I'm thinking, you know, I'm a good person and it's not even the truth, my self-worth is built on a lie anyway. Ah. Oh. That's horrible because we all hear about that, don't we? Young girls, they've got a bad self-image, they've got bad self-worth and, and so they'll enter into places where they'll have eating disorders or, or stuff like that. And I tell you why I say this? When you are in God, you have an identity built on who He is, not what you think you are. You are worth something because the eternal God, the God who created the world, has just declared in his word, as Matthew read out before, that he took interest in building you together in your mother's womb. To him, you are amazing. You are precious. You are so precious that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you, to redeem you out of slavery and into freedom. So I'm not saying we shouldn't feel good about ourselves. What I'm saying is we should understand We are precious not because of who we think we are, not because of who that guy makes me feel like, but because of who God says I am. If I can base my identity in who he is, then I get what he has for me. Remember last week how I said that? If we know who he is, it tells us what we have. If my God is strong, then I have strength. If my God has peace, or he is peace, then I don't need to be anxious because he gives it to me if I'm resting in him. If my God laughs in the heavens, then the joy that he has is released in my life through the Holy Spirit. Because of who he is, I am who I am. Not because I think I'm good, because my worth is stamped on me. Oh man, those messages today. We are made in his image. And you know the story, I'm diverting totally off everything here, but the story about Jesus when he grabbed that coin, when they were saying to him, you know, about money, and he said, well, give to Caesar. What's Caesar's? Why? Because Caesar's face was stamped on that coin. It left an impression of Caesar on there, and so when they, they were trying to trick him, he says, yep, pay, pay the taxes. That's his face on that coin. And what God did is he stamped himself on you and me. We are made in the image of God. And that is why he's asking us to give ourselves to him, render ourselves to him, because why out of that is going to flow some joy into our life. So last week we looked at the verse in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And we talked about the the, uh, thoughts behind that. And how people were weeping and going, you know, we we just see ourselves as so bad because the word of God has come. It's convicted our heart. And he said, wait a minute. Don't be sad. Go and celebrate. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Note, it's not talking about the joy of anything else but the Lord that becomes our strength. It is the joy of the Lord, not joy itself, that is the strength in our life. It's a sign of a strong spiritual life. You know, when we think about what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit, think about that person that walks around and they're just happy all the time. They're just expressing the joy of God. That is showing you that they have a strong spiritual life. A strong spiritual life is not being um, so dedicated to um, following the law and everything because you can tell that they're not filled with the Spirit at times. Does it mean they don't have the Spirit living in them? No. But joy is expressed through the Spirit. It's a spirit of joy and peace. And so we can have sour-faced Christians that obviously are not living in the light of God. The sun is not hitting them. They're living in a darkness. The shadow of the law overcomes their lives and they do not live in the freedom that God has given them. So what does that strength mean? What's the purpose of that strength in my life? I'm just going to go through a few things in which joy actually strengthens us. What areas of our life? Number one, joy strengthens us against temptation. In James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says this, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So sin is a result of us being drawn away by our own lust. And what joy does is start to give us a contentment in life. If you're content, are you going to be drawn away by anything? No, you're not. Because the joy that fills you actually strengthens you from doing the wrong things from being disobedient to God. Why? Because joy brings a sense of satisfaction to your life. The joy of the Lord will give you that strength to keep doing what you're doing. Why? Because you're satisfied. You're not looking for the outward things to fill your needs, but you're now living in God in the joy that he has, and a person who's content has a product of joy will lose the desire for other things. Who here goes after something that they know they shouldn't do when they're unhappy? Most people, right? Whatever it might be in whatever area of your life, why do, why do people do the wrong thing? They're unhappy. Bob says chocolate. <laughs> Don't know how that fits in. But he's not happy with his healthy food. He's got to have that chocolate. But isn't that true? Why do, people, why do people like men look at pornography and women as well nowadays? Because they're not satisfied. What they have is not enough. Why do people lie to get money? Because they're not happy. They're not satisfied. They don't have enough. And God, through his unending brilliance has said, I'm going to give you a joy that is so complete that you will be satisfied no matter what. Even in any situation, your satisfaction is not coming from that situation, from that place of your life, but it's coming from me, the source of the joy. And that is why it is so important, guys. If you find yourself in a place where you're always doing the wrong thing." You need to spend some time with the Father. You need to get down in a quiet place and start to think about how good He is. You need to let His love come into your heart. You need to think of all the benefits of God to you. Because as you do it, you will get this eternal spiritual joy that fills you and you'll become satisfied. Jesus talked about that about being content another verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 to 8 says true godliness with contentment is itself great worth after all we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we don't have anything with us when we leave it if we have enough food and clothing let us be content are you content with what you have In that verse there, it's talking about food and clothing and Jesus talked about that too when he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make that your number one priority. And it's not just because he wants attention. What he's saying is this, if you make me first in your life, then everything else will flow out of it. And Jesus said that, don't be anxious. He said, look at the birds. And and the other day I was walking with Joe and I just saw a bird flying around. I was like, Jesus was Right? That bird did not seem at all anxious. That bird didn't seem at all worried because it didn't have something. But Jesus said, don't be anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will get added. If you find the contentment in me, everything else will come. But if you've got clothes and if you've got a roof over your head, just be happy. Tell me why you strive. What is it that makes you push forward because you have a need for things that are extra to the basic needs, right? Right? Tell me what costs you. When you look at your family budget and you're going through it, food and clothing and maybe electricity, the shelter, that's not a big part of a lot of people's budget. It is of some. But then it's, you know, our boats, our cars, our leisure, going to the best school, getting the best clothes. Those are the things that pile on top of our needs. Should we not have them? No. No. Jesus didn't say, I don't have them, he said, seek first me. Don't you worry about those other things, I'll take care of you. I'll grow those things in your life. But if you make that your goal, I need, I need, I need, the joy of God has no chance to flow in your life. And a person who is content won't look for other things. They can't be drawn away because the lust has been put down. The lust for other things. The joy, the contentment that actually guards you against sinning. Isn't that awesome? Joy is a strength in helping us to fight sin. Number two, joy will help you endure. Jesus, as we talked about this morning, endured the cross. Why? Because of the joy that waited before him, which is actually us. He endured those things because of the joy that was in him. In James, it says that we should be joyful when troubles come our way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for in other words, it's saying, let the joy of God sustain you in that time. Let it sustain you. And again, the joy of the Lord is not through a circumstance, it's through knowing Him. It's through knowing Him. And joy will help us to endure persecution because we know who God is. So when things happen in our life, that joy strengthens us in those times. Joy will help us in serving. Why is that? Again, it's the contentment. It's the contentment. It's that looking to the eternal purpose of what we do. We're content. And so what happens is we can become servants. Why is that? Think about Jesus, the Bible says. Jesus had everything, yet he gave it all up to come and serve us because of the joy of the result of what he did. But he became a servant, and what that really means is that you need to die to yourself. I really want to talk about this a bit more in detail further down the road. But did you know dead men don't get upset? It's true, have talked about that before. But you can insult, you can go down to the graveyard right now and you can insult the person in the ground and they're not going to react at all, they're dead. And part of that joy in service is where we have considered ourselves to be dead, we are dead to ourselves. We don't get offended easily. Why? Because I'm dead to myself. I don't base my feeling, my self worth, as we talked about before, or my worth on what other people say to me. It puts me in a position of not needing to be higher than someone else. I don't have to be higher. I don't have to have people serve me because I have found the heart of God and I'm now living in this place of servanthood towards other people and to God. So when we have that joy that, that God gives, we serve without care. Do you know those type of people that don't? They can do something, but all the time, they're whinging, they're complaining, it's just so hard, I don't want to do it. Everything about it is wrong, they're miserable people. But then you see someone who's tapped into God and you ask them to do something, they're like, man, I'd love to do that. Would you like to serve here? I'd love to do that. It's not below their pay grade. It's not below their esteem to serve anywhere because their joy is not found in having to be above anybody. They have made themselves lower than other people, esteeming others more highly than themselves, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And it was joyful for him to do it because he knew the result. And not only that, I might just look at that quickly now. The way, way it works is like this. It's almost like a perpetual motion thing. Have you ever seen those things with those steel balls on them and you hold one out and it clicks and that one goes out? And that's meant to be sort of perpetual motion, but energy's lost and all that stuff for the physicians. They could explain it to you. But the funny thing is, as we get the joy of the Lord and then serve the Lord... In whatever area of our life, and that could be serving people, serving in the church, whatever it might be, the end result of that is joy. And this is one of those things that that a lot of people go, I don't have any joy, who are you serving? Nobody. Well, no wonder you got no joy. You're not serving God, and you're not serving people. You become a butt in the seat. But I can't, but this, but that when I've got time I'll do when this because there's no strength from the Lord and God wants us to serve. The parable of the talents is an interesting story and I'm going to read that out. Or the parable of the three servants. I want you to listen carefully because serving is not just a feel-good thing when you're serving God. This isn't about you feeling good. There's a lot of people that serve yet they're still miserable. But it's about doing the master's things. It's, it's using your talents and especially important in the body of Christ that you take your part because if you don't you aren't going to be happy really. You won't really have that joy of the Lord coming and I'll, I'll, I'll show you why. I'll read through this. It won't be on the screen. This is a parable of the three servants. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going a long trip. He called together his servants entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave Five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his trip. Please notice in this first introduction to this story, each one of you, this is talking about you, Jesus has gone away, or someone's gone away on a long trip, and he's saying, I'm entrusting you with something. Every person who's born again who's in this church has a place in this church to do a certain function whatever it might be. Not one of you is excused from service. Let me tell you that right now. God is requiring it of you. And he's left you with a talent, a gift, ability, something to do. And he said, can you do this according to your ability? He's not asking you to do something far above what you can do. That master, when he went away, he assigned it according to their ability and gifts, right? So God's not going to ask you to do something that is impossible for you to do. He will stretch you, definitely. But there's three servants here in this story. Each one of them was given something. One given a bit more. Well, that's not fair. Well, it was given to his ability. How much had he plugged in? How much had he learned? How much had he done? It was given to ability. It doesn't mean he can't grow it, and we'll see that at the end. So let me say this to you. Do you want joy? Go to God, start to find out who he's made you to be. Listen to these words I'm about to read right now in terms of serving. This is one of the things that gives us strength. Joy gives us strength to serve as we get into his presence. He gives us strength to serve, but there's a really amazing thing at the end of it. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. So here we go. God's given you a gift, and ability, and he said, go and use it. The first servant did exactly that and he got more. God says that if you're faithful in little, he'll entrust you with much. He says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. It's about working in him. The man, the servant who with two bags of silver also went to work. What did he do? Went to work. He used what God had given him and he went to work for the master's purpose. He didn't go off and work for himself. He worked for the master's purpose. And he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. This is so important, guys. Whatever God's given you is not yours. Did you, did you just hear that? He hid whose money? The master's money. You cannot say what you have is your own. It belongs to him. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything you are belongs to him, including your body. Everything belongs to him. And he's given it to you to look after, to do something with, not to hide in the ground, which is what this servant did. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they'd used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. And he said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this little amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Or what the King James would say is enter into my joy. Let's celebrate together. Let's enter into my joy. The second servant, the same thing, gave the money over and the the master said again, enter into my joy. Let's celebrate together. What happened to the last one? The servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. The master replied, You wicked, you lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why why didn't you at least deposit my money into the bank? At least I could have gathered some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, more will be given. And they will have an abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. you're not having joy in your life it's highly likely you're not connecting with God and thinking about who he is and letting that joy come and fill you. As I said it's not a circumstantial thing. Another thing that might be happening is you're not serving and you'll come up with excuses whatever they might be. You know I'm too busy on this on that. I've got five million things on every night during the week I've crushed myself to the point where I'm ineffective. I've let the weeds grow around me and now I can't produce fruit. But what this is saying is that serving God is actually a source of something that you need, which is divine joy. You see, the serving wasn't, come here, let's all praise you, let's get you know the TV to come and take a, um, a movie of you, saying how wonderful you've been and everything you've done, but what it says is this, enter into my joy. Because of your service, there's going to be a divine flow of my joy into your life. Are you serving? Are you serving? Because God says that if you do, then there's a divine joy enters into your life. Not a joy of of being a good person, of the praise that comes to you. The praise that is given out here is from the master. That is God saying, well done. It's not an earthly joy, it's a divine joy. Again, it comes around, and that's the way it works. And as we look further at and a bit deeper into each of these parts, you will see it's like a, a circle. I serve because of the joy, but then out of that comes this divine joy, which helps me to serve because of joy, which comes a divine joy, and it just keeps going. Isn't that amazing? God gives us the joy to serve him with joy so that we can get joy. Everything from him. Trusting in him. Which might be the last point. Trusting God. The person living in joy is strengthened in their trust for God. They know who God is. They'll be strengthened in the inner man so you can be remain unruffled in times of waiting, you're unchanged. It doesn't matter what wind's blowing at the time, you have this ultimate trust in who God is and what He does for you. Because the joy that's in you sustains you through those times. You have this, this time to just wait and you can trust in the Lord. You don't worry about boasting about what you're doing, you just do it. It's like this joy in you just compels you to just live this life for God and you become steadfast and trusting because of that communion you have with him. You see, the, the joy that he has, it's not just a fountain, it's more than that. It's this deep spring that he puts into your soul. And you know what? You can have it. You can have it. It's not out of your reach. Because as God says, I am as near to you as your next breath. He's there waiting for you to just come in and say, yes God, I want to serve you. I want to be connected with you. I want to commune with you. I want to know who you are and I want to have that joy that you have for me. Not because of what I've done, but it it's who you are. You are my source. And he wants you to have it. He wants you to have that joy. So this morning as we, we go out during the week, I just want you to begin to think about those things. Why have I gone more about the, what joy does before how we get that joy? Because it's really important to understand, joy is a strength in your life. Joy is a strength. that satisfaction that you have with God. So this week, what I'd like you to do is just think about joy in your life. Have a little think about how you serve God. Are you serving Him? In what area do you think you have a talent? What area do you think that you could help God? And it might be in areas that don't seem so um, big. But what if God's just given you this ability to talk to people and encourage them? Man, it is awesome to see you this morning. Give someone a call. I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. I just want God to bless your life. Taking someone a meal praying for someone being a friend helping in here setting up chairs running the projector helping in kids church getting morning tea ready whatever it might be there's a million things you can do i just love that picture that we've looked at a little while ago that remember the army guy on the helicopter and the tattoo on his side, he had his legs blown off and I think one arm as well and on it was the, on the, the sign for those I love I will sacrifice. Just think this week, are you sacrificing for anybody? Because really, sacrifice is a product of love and it's also a product of joy because sacrifice becomes honestly irrelevant to you when you're living in joy. It's not even a sacrifice. For those I love, I will sacrifice. If you looked around at the people in here, would you sacrifice for that brother, that sister? If you can't, if you're thinking there's no way I would do it, I'm pretty sure God will want to grab hold of your heart and start to deposit that joy and love in you for that person, but it takes firstly spending time with Him, because guess who we are made in the image of? God. When we spend time with a strong God, we become strong. When we spend time with a God who sacrificed His Son for us, we begin to sacrifice for others. When we read His Word and let it challenge us, let it encourage us, let it discipline us, our life will change and that impression that He has will be the mirror that becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Looking into that mirror of the Word of God, seeing who you are, seeing how you need to change, and seeing that God has given you the power to change. So, this week, if I'll give you an exercise to do, just go out and just have a little time with God. Make yourself quiet for 10 or 15 minutes in a day, once a week. Just say, God, show me who you are. And He will. And let his sun shine on your life so that your soul can be warmed by his love.